Hello and welcome to episode 147 of NCP. My name is David, and with me for this episode we have Crystal. Hello. And Bo. How's it going? It's going good. How's it really going? Anything, anything exciting happening? Uh, anything exciting happening? Uh, I spilled coffee on my laptop. That's the only <laughs> thing exciting that's happened to me. <laughs> it wasn't it one, was of those, one, one of those new ones that you can just dip in the water and clean or something? Those new ones from Logitech? Um, no, it was actually during a podcast. And what's what's funny is I finished, like I finished my thought, like I finished my statement, yeah, and and I didn't react, and then the la- and then the the laptop just shut off, and um, I looked at uh, it was for uh, talk the walk, and I looked at David, and I was just like, well, it would have been nice to do a podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> Talking, and, about, um, talking about other podcasts, thanks for the, uh, the the massive plug in the last ECM, dude. That was awesome. Oh yeah, no no problem. We didn't have anything else to plug, so we thought we'd plug our friends. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. well, there's an exciting thing that happened. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> uh, for this episode, we have a review. Uh, Crystal's going to review the album from Gautier. 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 What's his real name? It's like. John Smith or something. Well, that's complicated. I'll talk about okay, it later. Okay, we'll about that <laughs> uh, we also have round three of season three of Clash of Champions. Dum, dum, and uh, we also have a top five. And uh, this time, Bo picked the top five topic, and it's our top five bands. That's that's what inspired me to do my review on the. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We haven't really do music all that much on the yeah, show, so I'm, good. I'm quite glad. So good. Thanks to Bo for that suggestion. In saying that, let's. Go to the review. Go to the review. Let's go to the review. I'm reviewing an album that came out in 2011 called Making Mirrors by Gautier. Now, to answer your question, his um, his actual name is, I think it's pronounced Walter, maybe Walter. It's, it's, it's Belgian, but it's called Wally for short. So it was Wally Tobacco. Now, Gautier is a pronunciation respelling of the French version of Walter. Walter. Oh. I didn't get how to pronounce it. So it's not that. just a made-up word. No, it actually really is his name, but it's the French version of his name. Well, there you go. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, also pronounced Gautier, if if you listen to my little man on the iPad shuffle. No, no, no he said Gautier. <laughs> Gautier. Gautier. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, back to the review. Now, these days... I don't listen to albums much, like a flex from song one to song twelve or whatever yeah. on the album, like I used to as a teenager. Because these days you you download your albums, you don't buy physical albums. At least I haven't in maybe two decades. I don't know. It's a long <laughs> it's time. It's a long time. Um, so what, what I usually do is is I'll buy an album and I'll pop it on my phone and I'll listen to it amongst the other stuff that's already on there. It's like in, in yep. shuffle mode gotcha. on my way to and from places. Now, this album was unique in that um, when I started doing that, every time one of the songs popped up, I'm like, who is this again? And uh, then I'd, I'd look at the phone, and I'd, oh, that's right, it's, it's Gautier. <laughs> so, um, whereas most other albums where I've done this, um, so for example, to compare with Tame Impala, I, I downloaded their album because I really like their song Elephant because it reminded me of the Doctor Who theme (laughs) (laughs) and also I mean the singer sounds a lot like John Lennon but when I downloaded their album the rest of it it, to me is fairly similar so whenever one of their songs came up I knew instantly it was theirs 
Mm-hmm. And it was a little disappointing in that the Elephant Song was, for me, the best song on the album. The rest are all pretty good, and I still recommend a listen, but that was the best song. So I really... Was that Tame Impala? Tame Impala. Yeah. So I didn't, really didn't get any more than I bargained for for that one. But with the Goatea album, there's multiple different songs on there that I really, really enjoy. Now, for the review, I've actually listened to the album start to finish a couple of times, and there is a coherent whole to the album. You can You can hear that it's all done by the same person there's a theme there's well not a, i wouldn't say a theme but it, it is sort of held together with a something okay a theme <laughs> a something yeah a something a something right. um but uh, I, I just thought it was uh the thing i liked about it most is that the, the songs are so different that sort of when they first popped up on my playlist i had to wonder who it was mm-hmm um, so getting into the album, it's a multi, multi, multi award winner. Um, in, I, I, sh- I, I only assume that this is the one that has the song on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this the other the other unique thing about this album is that it's one of the very few albums where the this there's a song that both David and I really love. Okay. Cool. Um, and and that's what made me buy the or get the album. Uh, the song is called Somebody That I Used to Know. Mm-hmm. Massive hit single all over the world. Um, so in 2011, uh, he won six arias, um, most of them for that song. It includes um, Best Single, Best Pop Release, Producer of the Year, Engineer Video, and he also won Best Male Artist that year. Um, 2012, another six aria awards, Album of the Year, Best Live Act, etc., etc. 2013, he won three Grammys. Uh, best Alternative Music Album and Record of the Year, all for the Making Mirrors album. So, massive hit, and which is um, contrary to most of the massive hits that come out at the moment where I, I, I shy away from. <laughs> uh, so getting... Well, it wasn't Nicki Minaj, let's just was, let's be thankful for that. No. don't even know who that is. You don't want to know. <laughs> so, um, One of so, their songs is called Stupid Ho, that'll give you an idea. I, Okay, yeah, no, there's nothing like that in there. So I won't go through every single song, but starting with the one um, which wasn't even the first single of the album that uh, the, the we both love, somebody that I used to know. Now you're just somebody that I used to know. Um, I really love a song that tells a story, mm-hmm. and a lot of these songs do. Uh, this one's um, quite obviously about the end of a relationship, and it starts out with the, the guy singing and you sort of start feeling for him because he's really hurt that even though they've broken up, she's just sort of taken everything and changed her number and not even maintained any contact whatsoever. And now she's just somebody that he used to know. Then the girl starts singing and then you start hearing it from her side of the story. Then you hear the truth. The truth. That, well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and, but, and the song's quite... And he was a scumbag. It sticks in your head, and you sort of it's a bouncy sing along sort of song. But on the other hand, it's it's sad. Mm. I also quite like what, uh, one of the parodies of that song is uh, Star Wars that I used to know <laughs> with uh, George Lucas. <laughs> now, well, the guy being George Lucas. The next song I want to talk about is Eyes Wide Open. actually the first single off the album and um listening to it i think it might be about climate change because it talks about well the main 
part of the chorus is the eyes wide open we walk the plank with the eyes wide open and it sounds like somebody talking about they can see all these bad things happening but we, we're not doing anything about it anti-vaxxers yeah all that sort of stuff I Feel Better is an awesome awesome song it's very euphoric I feel better It reminds me of The Supremes, and it seems to be about the euphoria you feel after you've come out of a really dark mood, and, and the person that sort of helped you get come out of that mood. Cool. Um, it's just it's just a, a dance around the kitchen sort of song. It's really, it's, <laughs> I, love, I love it. Awesome. State of the art. seeing actually Gautier on Spicks and Specs and he was talking about how they, he makes music in his bedroom and it's just sort of, he sort of synthesizer stuff. The state of the arts um, clearly made the synthesizer. It's, it's done, you know when you do the, the keyboard thing but the makes vocals instead? I don't know what that's called. But it's done like that and the whole song's like that and apparently, according to Wikipedia, it's about a 1970s organ that the, the his parents purchased and it's at the time it was the state of the art and the vocals kind of remind me of a song I heard I don't know who put it together but it was a song put together with the voice of Carl Sagan <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting one that one and um, the final song I wanted to talk about on the album is Don't Worry We'll Be Watching You Starts off with some really soft sort of opening vocals. They're quite similar to um, Bo's vocals on the start of Dead Hearts. Cool. Um, on the Nova Jel- Javelin EP, get it now. <laughs> Quick plug. <laughs> Quick plug. Um, it sort of starts off sort of lulling you into a sort of place of security, and it's about sort of someone saying, "Don't worry, we'll look out for you, we'll watch after you." And it slowly gets a bit more menacing, and, and it finishes with a really creepy line. Like it's sort of said. Or sung creepily, we'll always be watching you. <laughs> it's, it's like an, it's interesting. I don't know if it's about cults or what, but it's 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 talking about we we love you and we'll look after you. Oh, okay. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's hard to say. Anyway, that's that's. I mean, there's more songs on the album than that, but that they're the main ones that I wanted to sort of talk about. Um, I just, I just, it's really exciting to actually listen to an album start to finish like I did, like I used to when I was a kid, and uh, and actually be interested and listen to all of the songs and not just have them as background music. I just think this is one of the best albums I've heard in the last few years, maybe even longer. And I give this another another five. <laughs> <laughs> number five with a bullet. <laughs> number five with a bullet. Five out of five, uh, Luke's. Five out of five, Luke's. Yeah. Wow. Probably, well, let's do it again. It probably, it's probably really four point five, but it's it's made me excited to talk about it, so I'm giving it a five. All right, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Plus five just for the excitement there factor. Yeah, um, I highly encourage anybody to give it a listen. Um, doesn't matter what sort of music you're into, it, it, it's I think it's worth it. Cool, thank you for that, Chris. That's awesome. You're welcome. So let's, next up, we've got round three of Clash of Champions. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Cool, so uh, round three, uh, well, round, uh, round two was um, Captain America versus so Cap Steve Rogers versus the movie version of Scorpion. Scorpion, that's so right. The movie, movie, movie versions, and... It was uh, only two weeks ago, and I couldn't remember. And uh, Captain A won, so he went on to the next round. And so for round three, we have Hawkeye, movie version, mm. it's important to note, versus uh, Legolas, also movie version, not, com- not, not story version. Now, don't tell us... He doesn't break out into poems. Don't tell us the results, but just just tell the people how many votes this actually got. I oh, see. So you want to know the, the votes before we even get into the vote? Not the results. Just, not the results. Just, just how many? Just okay. Total. All right. Yeah. The, we, as as of this recording, we received three hundred and fifty-seven votes. Wow, that's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty amazing stuff. It's uh, it's. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I was too lazy to go back and check, but I'm I'm pretty sure. That's the most we've had. I think that actually is either is either equal or better than Deadpool's. I ones. guarantee you, that's the most we've had. That's pretty good. That's crazy. Yeah. So I was. I, I can only count three hundred and twenty-seven of those. Thirty of them I couldn't count because they said Deadpool. No, no. Well, because they said other people. No one said Deadpool. Thank God. But um, <laughs> there were there were a couple of other people that mentioned other people like Arrow. Green Arrow was a was a, a popular choice. Yeah. Katniss. One guy said Chuck Norris, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, my favourite was uh, this is this is his Facebook name was Jackal Ozo King Glow. I don't know if that's real or what, but he suggested Ron Turn Dude. Now it's a movie, the movie called Ron Turn, which is a which stars um, the girl who plays Faith, and they basically it's basically just a bunch of sort of uh, inbred hillbilly type monster guy people that just track down a bunch of teenagers and kill them it's one, it's one of those sort of horror movie type deal but yeah. but he actually had a picture of the guy from the Ron Turn movie with a bow and arrow <laughs> so you got like this mutant guy taking a shot so so props for that that was pretty cool um, and uh, a couple of the others I couldn't really couldn't really count because uh, like say um, Thomas Rotten for example he just said uh, well actually no I counted his I counted his actually because he said uh, uh, Legolas has aimbot so he wins and I quite like that one because it's a Counter-Strike reference. Yeah. <laughs> so it got, went back to my childhood, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty that, cool. That's definitely a vote for Legolas. Yeah, that's, that's a vote for Legolas. I did, I did count that one. Um, and one of my other favourite ones was actually a, a, an exchange between two people, which I can only assume is in French. I think, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's French. And YouTube, uh, Facebook has like an auto-translate thing. Oh, Okay. But this is the translation, right? You just, this, this is the, the weirdest translations you ever Oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. So, you got, so it's a conversation between... And what I, what I really loved about this fight is there was a lot of people having conversations. Like my favourite commenter by far is JV Eureta, who just he, just... he just went all out. He actually had multiple comments, so he, he cheated. But he had multiple comments and arguments. He was arguing with other people, but in, you know, respectable ways. And uh, it was awesome. It was uh, so... On your on your JV, you're awesome. But anyway, back to this French this French conversation. I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to read out the French bits. I'll read out what you, uh, Facebook translated it to. So it's a conversation between Jean Jean Simon Witton and France Francois Bernis Bernachats. That's I'm going to go with that. Sorry, right. sorry, French people. Yeah, sorry, French people. All right, so we've got so Jean Simon goes the question of life. <laughs> Francis replies with. Infissible old it's there takes twenty film before Miss Fletch. What? <laughs> Which John Simone replies with Win but the best 
queen. <laughs> <laughs> Which Francis replies with, impossible. And then John Simone finishes up with, kind you puts the two in an arena for Pokemon. <laughs> now that's the translations, right? What the actual French things? I can. I've, I've gone through this conversation multiple times now, and the, the what I'm what I'm thinking is, John Simone's basically saying it's too hard to choose, and Francis is saying, yeah, but Legolas um, never misses or something like that, and then John Simone says, well, then who's the the best archer? And Francis says it's impossible to choose, and then. The Pokemon line, I have no idea what that's it about. It sounds like Facebook have employed Yoda to do their translations. Oh, it's the weirdest translations ever. I wonder if Google Translate would be any better. Yeah, I probably should do Google Translate. No. But that's my favourite conversation from the, from the, from the comments. I, I, think that our comment, I think that our comments have been hijacked by like the CIA. This is all like code for something. And they, they figure if they can put the code out in the open and we don't know what it is, they can, they're communicating with somebody right now. Yeah. So unfortunately, because neither of them actually mention... Okay, all the colors. I actually couldn't count there, you know, but it was it's an awesome conversation. Anyway, so like I said, yeah, so so I counted so uh, three hundred and twenty-seven votes. So I'll give you the totals at the end of the at the end of the flight. So Hawkeye versus Legolas, uh, as part of the storyline, Hawkeye got involved because he was trying to find out what happened to Black Widow and Captain A. Uh, so he's why he's he's involved, and uh, because he got involved, the uh, the mysterious people behind the competition have thought, well, oh, we'll throw him up against another. Another archer, and so they've kidnapped Legolas out of the Lord of the Rings universe, or the Tolkien universe, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the arena, eighteen hundred by eighteen hundred feet island, for which is a roughly four city blocks of New York, with typical city stuff: buildings, warehouses, shops, cars, that sort of stuff. Covered by a force field that reaches up seven hundred kilometers into space. That's right. This is high <laughs> enough for space. There are no civilians present. Each combatant has all morals removed. They're essentially brainwashed, which for Hawkeye won't be that big a deal because he gets brainwashed within seconds. <laughs> He's hopeless. But uh, the uh, yeah, so the, the, no morals, so it's, it's out for the kill, his, or at least the KO. His brain has been washed so many times, it's squeaky clean. Oh, God. <laughs> this is a, so you can get a 90-second KO, then you're still a victor. <laughs> The look on your face when you did that, that was actually kind of weird. It kind of creepy. Squeaky clean. <laughs> going to hatchet murder me as well. Anyway, so the combatants. So they are the movie versions. So Hawkeye. Now, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a whole bunch of facts about them. All right, so Hawkeye. This is what I can give out. So I've watched Avengers 1 and 2 multiple times now. This is the research he does. For this is the research. Because we're, we're only going with movies. So if it happens in the movie, it counts. If it doesn't happen in the movie, it doesn't count. You know? The reason I say that is because Hawkeye in the movies does actually miss a couple of times, right? And usually only when the story, you know, it has to happen. Because if he's shooting at Maria, Maria Hill in Avengers 1, he misses every single shot. And of course he is, because he's shooting at Maria Hill, who's one of the other stars, right? But if, when, he's, when he's shooting against the bad guys, he hits every single time. 100% of the time, all the time. All the time. <laughs> so... So, so, but in the and in the but in the comic, he misses all the time. He's so <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's always getting beaten up and, and misses. And he's the stormtrooper of, of the Avengers. No, he's not that bad. He's not quite stormtrooper bad, but he's pretty bad. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so uh, that's why. So we're going with movie version, and also because that's the picture that I use. Uh, so movie version. This is what I've got. I've got from watching Avengers one and two multiple times, and um, yeah. Thor, which he does a little mini cameo. 
He's black ops trained, so he's an assassin. As Tony Stark calls him, he's an assassin. So that means he's he's got all the stuff that you expect us get from black ops training, a la Black Widow. So you know, hand to hand skills, or, you know, ballistic weapons, all that sort of stuff. So he's he's uh, he's a master of all forms of ballistic weapons, bows, guns, that sort of thing. Um, he sees better from a long distance. Now it's not clarified exactly what that means. Whether his his eyes are enhanced in some way, uh, like the ultimate version of Hawkeye, um, but he has better long distance vision than he does short vision. Which and that's uh, he not only does he mention that, but it's also proven when uh, Cap puts him on top of it and tells him to go to the top of building, and he's their lookout. Just means he needs glasses for reading. <laughs> That would be awesome if that was true. <laughs> if that was true, that would be brilliant. Uh, I don't think that's true, but you know. Um, he's highly susceptible to mind control. <laughs> Squeaky clean. <laughs> anyway, which is not relevant to this fight, but I thought it was hilarious because it's dangerous. You know. uh, he, the fact that he never misses is a lie, like I pointed out. He does miss uh, when firing at Marie Hill, but hits every single other time, except for the time when he shoots at the bunker and Quicksilver catches the arrow. Um, but he would have he would have hit it for sure. Um, he's a master of hand to hand combat, but not as good as Black Widow or Cap. Now that's just my opinion. They don't never fight in the uh, Cap and he never fight in the film, but he does fight Black Widow, and I I think she beats him quite easily. Well, Cap is enhanced in Black Widow's trained from childhood. Yeah, but you've actually got movie evidence is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So the fight between Hawkeye and Black Widow, I think it's pretty pretty easy to say that Black Widow trounces all over him. Some could argue it's because he's mind-controlled and he's not fully in control. I, I don't know. Who knows? But anyway. It works for the film. It works. Uh, he's, <laughs> he has combat driving experience. He'd be a very good getaway driver. Uh, he's also a pilot. He flies the Quinjet on multiple occasions. And according to a website that I found, his bow has a draw weight of 250 pounds. That's Hawkeye. Okay. Legolas. <clears throat> Yeah, once again, I've, this is watching the films. This is not based on the actual books. There are a couple of things in the books that aren't shown in the film that I haven't bothered to, to, to uh, include, and that's including su- such things as, I don't know if you remember this from the book, but he's actually, when they're walking through the snow, he actually doesn't walk through the snow. He walks on top of the snow. Yeah, he doesn't leave footprints. He, he doesn't leave footprints. He doesn't sink into the snow. So what a ridiculous power that Elves is. Elves are quite light. It is, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, weird. Anyway, but I guess that kind of does kind of translate to the ridiculous parkour stuff that he does with the elephant. That was one of the, one of the comments was, was uh, we're going we're to get some of that, that uh, elephant parkour action. I don't remember him doing any parkour in the books. No, he's only no parkour He does a lot of poetry. He does a lot of poetry. So he's definitely a lot more badass in the films than he is in the books themselves. But, uh, but that's right, we're going with the film version. So... Uh, now, according to uh, another website that I found, uh, this Legolas's bow has a draw weight of 150 pounds. Are you telling me you didn't watch the movies? I could, I did watch the movies, but I'm saying that he's he, they don't oh. mention the draw weight of his bow. Oh, okay. what, what kind of a conversation yeah, is that? It's, it's not hey, Legolas, how, what's the draw weight of your bow? Oh, it's about yeah. 150 pounds. I've just, I've just, just thought you watched the Avengers. But it would have taken a long time to watch all the lot of. I only watched the Legolas, the Legolas scenes. Oh, that's smart. You watch all three films, extended editions. Extended editions plus the uh, appendices. Oh, <laughs> not an idiot. <laughs> plus the other hobbies in the Hobbit as well. So that's six films. I'm not, I just watched. I skipped. I skimmed through and just watched the the Legolas stuff. Yeah. Um. And a bit of YouTube and <laughs> so he can, he can send an arrow with fatal force for over four hundred yards, which is as proven when the fact that he shoots a nargol out of the sky. 
That's pretty good. Fly Nagal. Or Nagul. How do you pronounce it? Nazgul. Nazgul. That's what I'm thinking of. Nazgul. You know what I was trying to say. You gave me a weird look, but you know what I was trying to say. <laughs> the bow itself is over six feet tall, and it has its string has a single strand of Galadriel's hair entwined with it. So, which makes it magical. Yeah. I don't remember that. We all in agreement that his bow is magic? Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's an elvish bow, let's just say that. They never call it magical in the film. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. It does glow. Uh, he has jewel daggers. Um, he only has one in the book. I need to point that out. But in the film, he has two, and they're they're badass. And uh, uh, he's immortal. He's, he's quite old. Yeah, he's actually quite old. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, as all elves are, he's immortal. Uh, he has extremely well, it was extremely good hearing, um, which, you know, once again, there's evidence. Uh, he has telescopic vision. Um, and can he see in the dark? I didn't see anything in the film where... I can't remember seeing anything in the film where he can see in the dark. I'm pretty sure he can. I don't remember that he can see in the dark. I know he's very fast. Yeah, so... Uh, so his telescopic vision is proven uh, when he can see something... When he, Once again, when they're in the mountains, when he, he sees something miles, miles and miles and miles away that no one else is, can see. Is that... Uh, I'm, think, I'm think that's partly vision, partly elf senses. No, the elf senses, elf senses is different. It says when he can sense when he's in a forest, he can sense certain things. Mm. But this is in the mountains. Mm. He tells them that he can see. He tells Aragorn, and it's when he, Aragorn, mm. and Gimli go off together, and he can he can see something. And Aragorn's like, uh, "Are you sure?" <laughs> he's like, "Trust me, <laughs> it's out there." That's that's not the whole conversation, but that's essentially what he's trying to say. Um, he also never gets tired or cold. So there's there's something for it. I don't know. It doesn't say whether he gets hot, but he does. He never gets tired or cold. Trust and, me, he gets hot. You know what? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if a Bloom fan. No. He's always hot. <laughs> some of the comments, some of these comments were hilarious, right? So even, a lot of people didn't just simply just say Hawkeye or Lugolus. There was always, it, was, it wasn't always, but it was most of the time it was something along the lines of Hawkeye for the win or Legolas all day. <laughs> you know, it's just explanation for explanation for So I really loved the passion behind the, the comments in this fight. It was just awesome, awesome to see. And one of them, of course, was you know, Legolas is better looking, so therefore he should win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't right. get that. Doesn't get it. The white hair. Yeah, he's got the white hair. You know, his eye colors changed, like, multiple times during the Lord of the Rings film because they kept forgetting to put his contacts in. So at one <laughs> point, the brown and the blue. <laughs> brown, they keep swapping between brown, blue, blue. You should have done just one and, like, a Bowie set. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. I think it adds to the elfishness, and like maybe his eyes change based on like the seasons or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, as, so, and also, and as just like Hawkeye, he supposedly never misses, um, and uh, and his hand to hand combat is ridiculously good, that, like almost too good. That, that surprises me. Just back to the eye thing, that surprises me with the attention to detail in those films. That surprises yeah. me. They'd forget something like that. That is weird. Um, and, uh, and, of course, his parkour abilities. Yes. <laughs> Nobody, I mean, the, the, the bit where he jumps on the shield. Well, he, <laughs> keeps firing. He Hilarious. runs up an elephant. <laughs> he runs up an elephant. So, yeah. An elephant, sorry. Yeah, an elephant. So there you go. So that's their abilities. So, as usual, they get dumped in the city on either ends. And I've, actually got, like, I've actually got a bit of, a bit of storyline for this. So uh, if, you, if, you, if you indulge me, let me, uh, let me get this out. Okay. And then uh, we'll get to the actual nitty gritty, right? Okay. Like, right? Okay. So they 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 tell they they get teleported into the. I don't know if this has ever been mentioned, but they get teleported into the dome. So they they it's instantly appear on either side of the dome. I'm going to start with Legolas. Legolas, Legolas looks around. And he's like, "What what kind of 
you know, what kind of weird sorcery is this? <laughs> it's like, well, what sort of environment is this? It's all this hard, hard stone, metal, and and stuff and this is definitely this is not Middle Earth this is the work of Sauron yeah what, what's that about this is he's just so he's looking around he's actually a tad confused he's kind of like well this is this is really really weird and I was like he's looking out and he sees like the city he uses telescopic vision and all that sort of stuff he's like this is weird Porco on the other hand he's used to all this sort of stuff so he he appears bow in hand he uh, instantly just starts to running through the city in order to get to close enough uh, to take a shot, climbs up to the to the roof of one of the buildings, sees his target, Legolas. He's look, looking around. He's like, "What the hell?" So Legolas is still at this point. His daggers are, are not are still sheathed. His bow is still on his back or over his arm or whatever it is that he does during the during the show because he's still looking around. And uh, Hawkeye sees his target. Oh, oh! I can't believe I forgot this majorly important point during the bios. Why did nobody mention this? Hawkeye has a whole bunch of trick arrows. So Hawkeye has advanced technology, including his trick arrows. I can't. This is, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! You, I'm ashamed of both of you. All right. So, so he's the old one that forgot, man. I was meant to do. I was going to do it at the end. Um, yeah. So trick arrows. So this is the stuff that he's seen in the films. In the in the comic of course, he's got a ridiculous amount of stuff. But in the in the in the film, he's uh, he's uh, these are the following ones that you see. Uh, bomb. And when I say bomb, I mean ridiculously powerful one. This is the, the one he's t- the one that he uses against the helicarrier. So a really, really powerful bomb one. He also has smaller grenade type ones, which can uh, stick. So they stick to a wall, within, and then can be uh, remotely, remotely generated. Yep. So they're, they're the ones I call the grenade ones. He also has a flash arrow, so it creates a big light. Uh, he has a computer interface arrow, <laughs> which plugs into the computer, and he and they use to overwrite the controls of the Hello character. Hello character. He has an incendiary arrow. Um, it's an arrow with a USB at the end. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an arrow with a USB <laughs> port. Uh, no, it's, and, uh, yeah, so incendiary. So um, kind of uh, it's kind of like it looks kind of like a flare, but it's you know quite powerful. So it's kind of like a cross between napalm and a flare. Uh, he also has the mind disruptor <laughs> arrow, so which is uses. You see him use that against Scarlet Witch when she goes to take over his brain, and he's, and he's like, ah, nah, I'm not doing that again, and sticks the arrow on her, on her forehead, and it disrupts her brain. Um, and he also has the grappling hook and line. So he shoots it, has a line that comes out of it, and he uses that to swing. You don't see it in the film, but in the comics, he also uses it to tie it around people's legs and stuff. Right, anyway, so back to the story. Well, I guess it's a natural extrapolation. You could probably do that. Yeah, so it was vital that I mentioned that, and I'm ashamed at both of you for not reminding me that I, was meant that I didn't do it. But, it can't uh, remind you if we don't know to and, remind and, you. Uh, and, of course, it must I was, I was too busy like trying to think of how Legolas wins this. Okay. All right, so back to the story. So Legolas is looking around. He's confused. Hawkeye's climbed up to a building. He sees the target. He immediately draws a grenade arrow because it's out for the kill, right? Yeah. So grenade arrow takes the shot. Legolas... Uses a telescopic vision, sees it, and his elfish, you know, little strange things going on type stuff. I think we'll say his senses are going a bit haywire because he's not in, in nature. He's like mm. in a cityscape, so his senses are going to be weird. But he sees the arrow coming coming to him. He's ridiculously fast. He draws one of his daggers and cuts the arrow, like dodges and cuts the arrow out of the out of the sky as it comes towards him. But the head of it, the arrow, still hits the wall behind him and can connects. And, uh, and it's and it's beeping. He turns around and sees the thing in the wall beeping with a little red light, and he's like, "What the hell is this?" You know, I'm, I'm a bit, he's a bit confused. The arrow explodes. He's knocked knocked to the ground. He's wounded. 
not dead or anything, but he's and he is wounded, but he's like you know, remember it's just a grenade one, not the bomb one. So he's so the, the arrow explodes, he's wound, he he's lying on the ground, and he's like, Oh you know, what magic is this? And he gets up, now he's pissed. <laughs> yes. Bo gets Bo gets drawn, he goes back to look at um where he saw Hawkeye shoot the arrow from before. Hawkeye's gone. Where do we go from here? Well, I would, I would, so I'll back you up and even say I think Legolas is actually fast enough to shoot the arrow with another arrow in the air. I think he can set the grenade off before it ever hits the wall. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, that would assume he, he knows what the grenade is, unless he just shoots at it. Yeah, so I, I just don't think there's, there's no, there's no instances of him shooting in the films of, so the reason I went with that, and I, I agree with you, but the reason I went with that, so, with that scenario is because he doesn't shoot another arrow with an arrow in the films. So he would just assume it was a normal arrow, or just something coming towards him. So instead of so instead of shooting it out of the sky, I just made him, you know, dodge it, and then they, that's why the head. So that's 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 why I went with that scenario because because mm. he, he, as far as he's concerned, it's a normal arrow. That's when he when he hears the beeping noise and turns around and, and sees it and he's like, "What the hell is this?" Because he's you know, and then it it explodes. So either way, he's going to have an explosion in his face. I think I do. I do agree with the idea that if it hit the wall, he wouldn't know what it was because there's no, there's no type of military esque, you know, in in, in Middle Earth, you know, everything's kind of like magic related. Hmm. Um, but he would see. But he has the ultimate. He has the vision. I mean, he would see that it is larger than a normal arrow. He might know to try to stop it before it hits him, or at least dodge it. Yeah. Either way, and he knows it's coming at him, hostily. He doesn't want to stick around and, and look at it. Exactly. He knows it's coming at him hostile, and um, so it's, it's in the wall beeping. He's He's got to know that's not a good thing. Yeah. Wait, I, I'm confused. Are you guys arguing the fact that he gets an explosion in his face? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You're saying he would stop it before it got close enough to, shoot, to I explode? Th- I think he would get Even away from it, it before I it exploded. I think he would get away from it, yeah. Alright, not being outvoted, 2-1. to Alright, right, cool. Alright, well then, scenario changes. He sees Hawkeye fire... We'll go with we'll go with we'll go with Bo's one. I quite like it. He sees it. He sees that it's it's clearly not a normal arrow. He quickly draws another one and shoots it, hits it, and explodes in the air between the two of the two of the combatants. The I think if anybody didn't... in the world could do this, it would be Legolas. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm cool to go with it. Outvoted two to one. So he shoots it. It explodes in the air between them. Um, as the smoke clears, he then looks to see at the see the person who we you know, we know is Hawkeye, but he doesn't know. Sees the person who shot it, but Hawkeye's now now gone from that area. So Hawkeye's gone to a new position to take another shot. Yeah. Now I will say this: Hawkeye now knows that he's up against another archer. Cool. And he also knows. Now I want Legolas to win, but this I, I think that that in a way Hawkeye has an advantage because he knows the city, like yep. he knows. Yep the city environment whereas like we said legolas his senses um you know are attuned for the forest if i were in hawkeye's shoes i know the city i also know i I also know how archers work because i'm an archer i'm that type of you know i'm that i know that having the high ground is an advantage for me i think i would try to go to a place where my opponent cannot possibly get the high ground so i think if i were in his shoes i would take it to the subway and and Legolas isn't going to know, you know anything anything in the the subway arena, and no one can have a, a high ground or low ground advantage. And it, again, if I'm in if I'm in his shoes, it kind of gives me the advantage of I've got the grenade arrows, I've got you know these you know I've got all these different these are better 
you know, well equipped for, you know, fighting in, in a closer quarters, um, ground level kind of thing. So I don't know, you Done. think he would go for the subway to try to, to try to lure Legolas into the subway? Okay. This is cool. We haven't, yeah. we haven't gone to the subway This is before. cool. No, this is cool. All right. All right. Sweet. All right. He goes to, he goes to the nearest subway. And, uh, every corner in, uh, in well, he's gonna City. to get to the subway. He's going. He's going to have to come out of the building, and then go to the nearest corner subway thing, and then go down the subway. Right. So, uh, do we say yeah. that Legolas actually sees him do that? In order to progress, yeah, even the plot, if he doesn't, even if he doesn't see it, I think Legolas' senses are enough that he would he could follow him into the subway. Like I think he would figure it out. Yeah. Well, it's, well just it's just a, it's kind of a little story short. We'll say that he actually sees it, right? Actually, I mean, you want Hawkeye to, to draw him there, right? So we'll actually say that Hawkeye makes a big show of running yeah. out the building and down into the down into the subway. Legolas sees it, starts making his way down there. He's a bit confused at first because he's like, what's going on? But then he uses his awesome parkour abilities and leaps <laughs> and leaps down the building, down the fire escape. an elephant. Down, you know, an elephant, an elephant mysteriously appears. He leaps onto the elephant. <laughs> parkour's down. There's no elephants in New York City. <laughs> no, an elephant. There's no elephants in New York City. <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes. He he gets down there. I've actually got one bit that's going to appear later in this in this fight that I, just, I can't he's, wait. He's got to go down into the foul bowels of the earth. Yeah, see, exactly. Yeah, totally. So he's like, he's going down there. And he's like, what's going on? So he he basically chases after. Uh, when he gets to the subway entrance, he's now cautious. It's quite warm down there too, so he might think he's sort of heading into the bowels of Mount Doom. <laughs> or um, actually, no, no, you so oh, that's good. We're going to go with that, not with that, but we're going to go with something similar to that. So he's going down into the subway area. It's quite warm. It's underground. Mm. The one thing that the elves fear is the Balrogs. So he's like, so he's going down. He's like, this is, you know, this is, it's, it's like I'm back in the. In, in Moria. Mind, the Mines of Moria. I'm back, back in the Mines of Moria. What, what manner of devilry is this? And, uh, you know, geez, geez, I hope I don't find a Balrog down here. Yeah, Balrog <laughs> country. Yeah, yeah, but he's got, he's got the arrow, he's got the bow drawn, he's down there, he's still bedazzled by, well, there's nothing really bedazzling in New York subways, we've been there, it's, they're filthy, but uh, he's still, he's just like, you know, there's all this technology I, I, I and disagree. all this sort of stuff. They're, 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 they, I thought they were cleaner. They were much cleaner than I expected them to be. There's not, not a lot know. of they're, they're a lot. They're a lot nastier than the subways here. Yeah, they were pretty. They were pretty bad. <laughs> this is some grime, but there was no litter or anything. Actually, no, I will say that there was no litter. That was pretty good. Yeah. But no, there's grime everywhere. Anyway, so he's down there. He's like, you know, what is this smells? There's, you know, with this weird lighting. It's like, you know, it's like there's actually there's one thing. That it's it's hot. You know, there is actually there is actually lighting throughout the entire thing, though. Yeah. So he's like, this is pretty good. We don't have, to have any torches. There's no there's no citizens. So there's no buskers. Yep, no citizens. So he's just down there, and uh, so bow drawn, and he's cautiously creeping his way in, and he's really he's trying his hardest to get his senses attuned. So he's like he's looking everywhere, senses. He remembers his exceptional hearing. So he's just like, what you know, what um, he's looking around, trying his hardest. Hawkeye, on the other hand, what's Hawkeye doing? He's watching it. Well, he's not. So again, I'm trying to. I'm trying for Legolas to win this, but <laughs> why are you trying so hard for Legolas to win? Because <laughs> I like the character better. I don't yeah, know. Oh, okay. I'm going. I'm going. Um, Hawkeye. I want Hawkeye. To win. <laughs> <laughs> but Hawkeye, I feel like Hawkeye is not. He's not worried about the uh, the cre- What do you call the creatures again? Balrogs. Balrog. Balrogs. Yeah. He's not. He's not worried about the Balrogs. So I mean, he knows what a subway is. So. <laughs> I think he's he's only looking for for Legolas. Yeah. 
Um, and I mean, he could easily. This is his opportunity to to strike. Um, but you got to be cautious because do you think one grenade? Do you think one grenade just blows Legolas's body in the smithereens, or do you think that, do you think he could he could survive a few hits? I mean, how do you think? How do you think he's an not, actual, like, he's not close archery fight goes down? Well, if he gets hit with the bomb, the bomb that he shoots on the hel- for the helicarry, right? If he gets if he gets a direct hit with that, Legolas is dead, mm-hmm. right? Let's just, let's just, there's just no way, immortal or not, it's just, it's massive corporal damage, right? So yeah. if he if he gets hit with one of the grenade-type things, I think he'd probably survive it, but he'd be pretty badly wounded. But we, we said that he has one of those... Uh, he has one of those things. I mean, yeah, he well, he's got he's got all those he's got multiple trick arrows. So it's it's a bit. But the thing is, but the thing is, dude. I mean, I I just don't think Legolas would ever give it a chance for one of those arrows to hit him. I don't think he'll ever get hit. Hmm. And I think the same for Hawkeye. I don't think I, I don't think either of them are going to be able to hit the, each other with arrows. I I sort of, I sort of see it going sort of like this: is Hawkeye. So now that Legolas is down, Hawkeye again shoots another grenade one. I mean, he's got Legolas has got less time to react now, but but he's already but he's already on he's on high alert. He's like he's down, well, he's, so his senses are going overdrive. Just has to wait for Hawkeye to run out of arrows because Legolas never runs out of arrows. <laughs> that was one of the comments. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not true. In the Hobbit, he runs out of arrows and has to go into hand to hand combat. All right, so this whole never runs out of arrows business is not magical arrows. He does run out eventually. Although he does have that awesome way where he shoots it, pulls it out, and then stabs him again. That was brilliant. It is, it is a bit like Voyager with the photon torpedoes. On. Yeah. <laughs> he's wearing right. the bandana from Metal Gear, though. He's wearing the, the infinite ammo bandana. <laughs> is he? <laughs> so, so anyway, so he's, so he gets, he's, down, he's down now. His senses are on overdrive, trying to, trying to compensate for being under, underground in the subway. Um, I think he's gonna, Hawkeye's going to pop out for a, another grenade shot. Legolas is going to know, see it, either know it or see it. Super hearing, super sight, and again, this time he's actually just not going to muck around. Shoot it out of the out of the shoot it out of the sky, out of the um, the air again. Explodes, and then there's just then it's just an arrow off. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing like dozens of arrows meeting in midair and just splintering all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm thinking just arrow <laughs> after like just you know bang 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 just they just go on flying as crazy. Hawkeye does that mad thing where he has the three arrows at once and sort of stuff. Legolas's arrows would all be made out of wood though, wouldn't they? Yeah, they wouldn't stand a chance against the the metal arrows. Yeah, but it's a metal. Well, they're not metal arrows; they're aluminium shafts. They're probably most likely aluminium shafts. But I'd say they'd they'd be a metal head. Versus a, another metal head, pretty Possibly. much, pretty much the same, really. Yeah, I, I, I'd say. I mean, I, I, it was a good point, though. Um, Hawkeye realizing that he can't that he can't fire directly at Legolas. Uh, I think we're going to go for the big yeah. the big bomb because Legolas big is less firing arrows. Legolas would be faster than Hawkeye. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you there. I think Legolas is actually yeah. faster. Yeah. So it, it's and, it's, and so he's just he's doing he's doing two at once. <laughs> Like I mean, everybody makes a big deal out of the fact that Hawkeye does that three at once deal in uh, Avengers two, yeah. but Hawkeye, but Legolas is doing two at once all the time. He's almost as fast as a machine gun. Yeah, so he's yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you there. So he's he's just going at it like a crazy man, and uh, elf like a crazy elf. <laughs> uh, Hawkeye Hawkeye's like, well, bugger this. I'm gonna he goes the big guns, the uh, the uh, the bomb one fires that. All this time they're actually moving towards each other. You reckon? Or 
Are they moving towards each other, or was Hawkeye moving back into the darkness of the subway itself? Hmm. I think I think if I think Hawkeye would move towards him. All right, we're going with, we're going with towards him. All right, I'm going to go. Yeah, Hawkeye because shoots because we're underground. Hawkeye shoots the bomb at the roof of the subway. Yeah. It causes a whole bunch of stuff to tumble to tumble down. Yeah, it causes some 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 uh, obscures some vision. There's dust everywhere, massive noise. Legolas is like, you know, oh my god, the noise is too much because he's like he's got super hearing, so he's gonna mm-hmm. be like, oh. So he actually drops his bow, and he's like, you oh, know, what's this? Hands hands to the ears type stuff. And there's this dust everywhere and all that sort of crap. Yeah, Hawkeye runs out of arrows. <laughs> right, it was a major. It was a major part of the comment, so it has to happen at some point, right? So Hawkeye runs out of arrows, draws the guns. He's got his pistols. He proceeds forward, firing. Oh, I forget that he has that he carries a gun. Yeah, he's carrying. He's got guns. It's shown in the finish there. He's got guns and a and a, a knife. So he's he's going forward. Boom, 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 boom. He's firing. Legolas is you know hiding behind the rocks, dodging that sort of stuff. He draws the. He's uh, he's still got arrows, but he's like I said, he's dropped the bow though. So he's uh, he draws the the daggers. The daggers don't beat guns. The da- he draws the daggers. Now, one of the one of the comments I think was actually was that Legolas could deflect bullets with his daggers. No, wow. no. What do you what do you what do you think? There's no proof of that. There's obviously. no evidence for that. There's nothing 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 analogous in the movies that would show that he could do that. He would easily deflect an arrow, though. Yeah, probably. It, I don't think I've it, seen it. I don't know. That's really unbelievable. But yeah. Yeah, I don't think. I think that. I think that Legolas has a hyper sense of of uh, maneuverability, and I think he would be hard to hit because he's he is so fast, and he has the hyper senses of just his surroundings. But yeah, I don't necessarily think that it is. I don't think he can bounce bullets. Off I don't. Of that. I don't think he can block bullets. Well, no, no. I just, I just don't think that. So, so, well, so he's, so Hawkeye's going in with the guns. He's uh, Legolas is, you know, he's back, he's ducked down. He's got the dag- daggers drawn. If you, can, if you can sort of see where I'm leading to, I basically I want to lead into a Malay situation. So, how how would we get to that point? You can't leave. Would we even, buy, even would we even get to that point? You cannot leave Hawkeye's guns. I actually think I actually Hawkeye think just Legolas, needs to shoot him. Yeah, I think Legolas would actually back off at this point and run back up outside, or run up the wall. Or run up the wall. Actually, yeah, I'm picturing a subway. He could go around the the damage. The walls are the walls are um they're tiled, so that'd be enough purchase for him to run up the wall. And it, he is so fast that he, he might not be able to shoot him in time. Yeah, this is cool. He runs up. He parkour runs up the wall yeah. over the rubble. Paul goes like, "What the hell?" Boom, boom, boom! He's firing at him. And they engage. Yeah, I got to belay. <laughs> makes sense. All right, cool. So it's Legolas. So, so Legolas sort of with his two daggers comes down from on high and lands on. Yep. Okay. Yep. One of the daggers cuts the. He cuts his arm. Drops. Drops the gun. Hawkeye pulls his knife. And they're going out hand to hand. <laughs> Legolas is wounded. So let's, so let's just take stock. Legolas is wounded. Right. They had the explosion directly above his head. He got covered in rocks and debris and all sort of stuff. He no longer has his bow. He's he's wounded. He's disorientated. But now he's pissed. He's got his daggers. Hawkeye, not wounded, cool, calm, and collected. Has his big ass combat knife. What do you reckon? 
I mean, Legolas wounded and slowed down is still probably just as fast or faster. I'm with you. I I could even see in the in the in the scene that we worked up where he runs up the wall. Yeah. He could. I would try to jump behind Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he and runs. He runs up the I'm wall. Mindless, if I'm brainwashed, Legolas, I jump behind Hawkeye and just slit his throat. <laughs> when Tarantino blood just splatters on the on the roof of the all right, let's, all right, let's go this. All right, let's go this. I like that. So he runs. He runs up the wall over the thing. Hawkeye's like, "What the hell?" He still he goes to fire. Legolas lands behind him, cuts both arms. Hawkeye drops the gun, guns, go pulls his knife. Yeah, and and by and now he's slowed down. So Hawkeye, so Legolas cuts both arms, forearms. He's dropped both guns. He goes to draw his knife before he gets before he even gets to draw the knife. Legolas has stabbed him. Even I mean, even if, even if we don't go with that, even if we go with a knife on knife fight, elf versus yeah. human, even wounded, I'm with, I'm with Bo. Even wounded, Legolas is stronger and faster. It's just, it's just an elf versus a human, yeah. like, and I thousands of it's... years of t- combat training versus. Normal human yeah. combat training. Yeah. So the thing, oh, that's another element that I hadn't even thought of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he's, so he's been fighting for thousands I, of years. I'm picturing uh, one of the Yorokai and the, the, the sword goes up through the chin and comes out the top of the head, but I can't remember who inflicted that. Aragorn. <laughs> oh, um, but it's, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, he's, the proof of his speed is is shown in the films time and time again. Like, I mean, the, like I said, the bit where he shoots. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots so, the orc, so pulls the arrow out, and <laughs> shoots him again. It's like it's just crazy. He's incredibly fast, and one of Hawkeye's arrows was stopped by Quicksilver. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's Quicksilver fast. A Quicksilver. Yeah, he can't. Quicksilver be that dismantles fast. and empties a, a can. Yeah, gun. he's not that fast. But I'm just saying, speed can um, foil Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just. I mean, there's there's no argument that Legolas is faster. And so I just so comes down to hand to hand even badly wounded I mean Legolas I think I mean, we'll go hand to hand knife fight Legolas is even more wounded than he is like Hawkeye he managed to get some shots in but out out and out Legolas takes him out yeah, yeah. so we're actually oh, going to kill Hawkeye Hawkeye dead yeah alright Hawkeye dead there's the Tarantino blood splurt on the wall just <laughs> for Bo's benefit and uh, Legolas is standing there, badly wounded, but still victorious. Still pretty. And he says, one, because he counts the bodies. Oh, nice! <laughs> nice, oh, we go with that for sure. Well done. <laughs> Bing. One. Awesome. That's, and that's it. But do that. you have to count one, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't know there's no one else out there. <laughs> So good, so so good. After the victory, Legolas grabs Hawkeye's bow and he's like, "Hmm, <laughs> the possibilities." Yeah. <laughs> victory. I did. I, I wanted Legolas to win, but I didn't think he would. There you go. All right, yeah. so that's uh, so victory to Legolas. Um, that's going to make uh, he's he Hulk badly angry. wounded, but still he's still uh, Hulk. I would Hulk be I, angry. It was a Black Widow. I think that it's, was it's a really fun a fight, though. I think that was like one of the best ones. It was really good. Yeah. It, was, it was quite cinematic. I thought. Yeah, I'll have a lot of fun writing that up. It's very cinematic. Yeah, I love I love the subway idea. That was good. So victory to Legolas. So like I said, there was three hundred and twenty-seven usable votes. How do you guys reckon it went? I say 
55-45. As in percent, you mean? Yeah. So in percentages, with, yeah. With who, though? Um, in, in favor of um, Hawkeye. Yeah, sounds good. Wrong. Grizzle? I don't know. All right. It was... Let's call it. Hawkeye. 103. Oh, he's versus Legolas, 224. Legolas <laughs> doubled his about. Wow. Awesome stuff. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it doesn't matter. But anyway, so our, but our next fight, which is round four of uh, season three of Clash of Champions, is G.I. Joe's deadliest ninja warrior, Snake Eyes. We're going to go with the comic book version. Versus... Oh, not Nicolas Cage? No, not Nicolas Cage. Oh, I would prefer the Nicolas Cage version. No, God damn it. Then I'd have to watch the movie. <laughs> it's the G.I. Joe version of comic, the comic book G.I. Joe Snake Eyes. No respect, people. No respect. <laughs> versus Gambit. Everybody's favourite ex- Cajun X-Men. Ah, oh, mon ami. That's it. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was good. That was well done. So Snake Eyes versus Gambit. Next round. No Deadpool. No goddamn Deadpool. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Next up, we've got our top five. Our top five bands. Woo-hoo. Cool. So uh, since it was Bo's idea, let's go first with Bo with our top five bands. All right. So my number one favorite, and, and here's the thing, is no one is going to get no one's going to get any of my bands probably. <laughs> uh-huh. When we were talking about it, this is this is in uh, chat in chat on Warcraft. And uh, yeah. he's like, he's he's my five, and I'm, he types he types about all five, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I had to Google him. <laughs> oh, um, it was pretty bad. Not only so, there, and not only is it because you know, would you you might be like, oh, the young whippersnappers these days listen to crazy music, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's. Not only that, but like even for people my age, I don't listen. Like I listen to very obscure music, and it's almost part of the appeal to me. Um, is uh, the more obscure, not necessarily the better, because there is bands that I've heard that I've just been like, ah, this is too much. This is just too bizarre. But um, it, there's almost this like if it's kind of an underground, unknown band, there's almost like a plus. Like they, before I even listen to the music, they've kind of won me over with the initial you know the initial thing and then i may listen to it and hate it but they've got that initial you know that initial thing is is, is passed they, they get they get a foot in the door just by being alternate exactly exactly yeah. they get a foot in the door i like, I like the way you, you put that okay um okay. so my number one favorite band of all time the band i've probably seen more than any other band in history um me and my wife when we were dating we went and saw this band five times we used to make out to their music live in the in the crowd and um <laughs> it's a band called between the buried and me um, between the buried and me, they're a metalcore band. Um, I'm not sure where they're from. I think Georgia, but I could be wrong. Um, but they, um, they, they're a metalcore band. They're really heavy and they're really brutal sounding, but they take influences, a lot of jazz influences, a lot of, um, a lot of like nineties rock and grunge influences. It's, they're a highly influenced yet metal band. Um, if you listen to between the buried and me, they have a CD actually that um, is about to come out, but it was mistakenly leaked, or you know, quote unquote, mistakenly leaked yeah. um, on the internet first. So I've actually heard bits of it, and it's it's like really heavy metal Pink Floyd. Like it's it's um, they're they're a band that like just you know, crosses so many different you know genres of music. 
Um, they're, they're actually the name of their their band comes from a line from a Counting Crows song. Um, so I mean, again, it's a brutally heavy band, but they're influenced by so many different genres of music. Uh, so number one, oh, I went backwards. <laughs> that's alright. Let's, let's go backwards. It's fine. I'll keep going. I'll keep going backwards. All right. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's my that's my favorite band of all time that I meant to I meant to tell you last on this list. That's fine. Um, and, and I'll say, and, and it's hard to put them in order. Honestly, I mean that's easily my favorite band of all time. But these the other four could be in any order. They're just four bands that are really important to me. Um, there's a band called Oscar. They are a I guess you'd call a skater punk rock band. Um, skater punk rock. Uh, I'm not sure the time period on Oscar. I believe like late '90s, um, and they're not around anymore. But um, one of my favorite CDs of all time is a CD called "Idol Will Kill." But "Idol Will Kill" is like my favorite CD of all time. I can I can listen to any song. It's like you were saying earlier, where it's like one of the only albums where you can listen to the entire thing. Like it's almost. It's almost an entire piece in itself and not individual songs. And it's written by, I think the guy was like 16 at the time. But the songs like are about so much. Like it, It's so introversive and, and you, you read so much into the person whenever you hear the lyrics. Um, that just because of Idol Will Kill alone, um, Oscar's in my top five favorite bands of all time. Just fantastic stuff. It's kind of got like a Green Day kind of sound. Um, old Green Day. Maybe the Dookie album Green Day. But... Um, but uh, I mean, even more, way more mature though. And, and the kid was 16 when he wrote it. It's, I mean, it's insane. The another of my top five bands is called Stretch Armstrong, like the toy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stretch Armstrong is actually from here in South Carolina. I've met the band and the lead singer um, a ton of times. Um, the I have kind of a uh, history with Stretch Armstrong. I used to listen to it when I was younger. They're kind of like a uh, a punk rock post hardcore like hardcore band um they're straight edge all their songs are about you know like positive like uh you know they're really posy metal you know that kind of thing but strong-minded it's not like clean your room and stuff like that it's about like being an individual and, and, and being a good person in, in the world i remember i used to listen to stretch armstrong riding the bus to to school every day and one day, my CD player, I had one of those, you remember you used to carry around a little CD player. Yeah. So my teacher takes uh, the CD player from me um, because she, I don't know, I was caught listening to it in class. And this wasn't, this wasn't my teacher. This was like the young hip. He was like just out of college, um, teacher on the hall. I didn't have his class, but he saw me walking around with headphones on. He said, hey, kid, I'm taking this. And he, he's like, come back to me. Um, and get it at the end of the day. Well, before he let me go, he kind of like listened to a little bit of it. He put the headphones on, and he was like, whoa. Um, I come back at the end of the day. In that time period, he's read the lyrics, because I, uh, I actually had the case, too. Um, he read the lyrics, and he's like, you know what? This is good stuff. I'm glad you're listening to this kind of thing instead of, instead of a few other things you could be listening to. Whenever he gave me the cigarette, he kind of gave me like a – like a stamp of approval from the cool teacher in school. So wow, um, what a story! And, That's cool. And, and I would say another band that uh, I went and saw a lot. Me and my wife went and saw together. Uh, this band is called Me Without You. Um, Me Without You uh, is a really—they're not metal. They're kind of like this kind of artsy, but but in a, um, a very like aggressive way. Um, as a matter of fact, they have now kind of transitioned from being, you know, 
like a yelly, screamy kind of band to a like a folk, you know, acoustic kind of deal. Um, and I like both. I think I think that you know today's Me Without You um, doesn't sound like original Me Without You, but it complements it well. Um, but it's uh, the writer. Um, if nothing else, you guys should check out the lyrics to Me Without You songs. Um, the the writer of Me Without You is just amazing. I mean, the way they're a religious band, um, but the way he writes about religion, it, it, you just you hear this like agony in it, and and uh, that that sounds bad, but like you just hear this kind of like meek is the word. He's a, he's a it's it's a very very meek lyrics, like very like you know selfless. I, I saw them live. Um, at a place called New Brooklyn Tavern, my my wife wanted to take a picture with him. She she's in love with the lead singer. His name's Aaron Weiss, um, and uh, so but she was nervous and she didn't want to go up and talk to him. And he's just walking around playing an acoustic guitar, singing. No one even knows who he is. He's just literally walking around the crowd. He looks like he looks like he's on LSD or something. Like he's just <laughs> he's just floating around this crowd, um, playing these little songs. And and I, I go up to him and I'm like. I swear to God, this happened. This is the weirdest story. I said, um, "I said you're Aaron Weiss, right?" And he said, "That's my name, but that's not who I am." <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's brilliant. And, <laughs> and I was like, "Right, right, right, right." Well, <laughs> my girlfriend wants to take a picture with you, and um, he took a, he took a picture. And in the picture, Becca still has the picture. In the picture, he just looks like. I don't know. Like he looks like it's bizarre that someone wants to take a picture with him. It's it's so funny. Me without you is just a fantastic band, and I would say almost any music lover would like them. They're not they're not too heavy, especially not their new stuff. It's not even heavy. Um, but me without you, an influential band. I wouldn't listen to a lot of the music I listen to today um, if it wasn't for me without you. Lastly, but not leastly, again these weren't in a very good order. Is a band called Thursday, and. Um, Thursday's a really popular band. Actually, probably a lot of people actually know that band, but um, they're not around anymore. The lead singer is now in a band called United Nations, which is like a really heavy band. Thursday is like the beginning of that, but it was it was much more emo than than um, United Nations. Thursday is influential to me. I remember my dad forcing me to cut grass, and I really hated it. And I'd listen to Thursday the whole time I was cutting the grass, cussing my dad out <laughs> within the sound of the lawnmower, and he couldn't hear me because the lawnmower was so loud. <laughs> Um, but, but Thursday, Thursday is probably out of this whole list. I mean, Thursday is the earliest. So I mean, you could make the argument that that Thursday and Stretch Armstrong are the most important because I listen to them at um, influential ages. Um, I'm not sure what any of their songs are about because they're kind of bizarre lyrics. Um, <laughs> but uh, but they're good nonetheless, and uh, I think it's a band worth checking out. That's my five. That was an awesome oh. list. It's a good list. I didn't know a single one of those bands. I did Google them after, like I said, after our Warcraft in, and so I had a bad I would, idea. But yeah. I would encourage you guys to check out Me Without You. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely think I should check out Me Without You. And, and of all of those, they're probably the only ones that I'd be willing to listen to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that was very, very well done, Bo. Thank you very much. Now we'll get next up. We've got Crystal. Hey, well, uh, contrary to Bo's list, I think you probably will recognise everybody on my list. And I'm going to flout the convention boat boat just started and go five to one. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. He's an individual. He does diff- does things differently. Yeah. Well, I did, was tempted to go one to five, but five to one. Okay. It's, it's funny um, when David announced this was going to be the top five the other day, my sister was around and, and she she just rattled off my top five off the top of her head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy. 
pretty easy. Um, well, light bow, um, three to five probably changes from time to time. So, but, uh, but my top two are always pretty much the same. But number five, coming at number five, and, and um, please don't laugh. <laughs> number five is the monkeys. <laughs> Come on. And I, I toyed with putting these in a lot, but um, uh, there was a period in my probably early 20s when I was fairly obsessed by the monkeys. I went out and bought all the videos, which was ridiculous. It was like $30 a video, and, and, and now they're all obsolete and I've thrown them all out. <laughs> so the DVDs. Um, but I, I just I love the show in the same way I love Get Smart. I love the comedy and... and I fell in love with the music. And I know they're a, a manufactured for TV band, but that doesn't take away anything from the music being fun. That's right. Yeah. Completely on the other end of the scale, number four on my list is Radiohead. Cool. I feel like I got some of my cool credibility back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Monkeys to Radiohead. Monkeys to Radiohead. That's a journey. <laughs> Who is this Radiohead? I like Radiohead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I, I think Tom York's got a, a, a very melodic very listenable voice and I just love the weird journeys that Radiohead take you on. It's not a band I can listen to all the time, I need to be sort of in that zone to listen to Radiohead Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just I couldn't pick a favourite album either maybe Pablo Honey if I had to choose but yeah, and I, and I've got, it depends on what mood I'm in, which which song I would like better from Radiohead. Actually, there's a there's a band called Hard and Firm, who have done a bluegrass medley of Radiohead songs that I really enjoy. It is cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, number three on the list, um, REM. It's just what can I say about REM? It's, they've just always been in my life soundtrack i guess you'd call it it's just always, mm. always been around um, I, I, I love everything from their earlier stuff and to their newer stuff probably the middle stuff the best i was i was almost going to say my favorite is net is is homer simpson's version of the end of the world but i can't really say that's my favorite rem song i just love homer simpson's version managed to work in planners in there <laughs> 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 no, I, I can't i can't Really picking a, a favourite REM song. Um, again, it depends on the mood. Number two, and, and it might surprise people to know that my, num- my number two all-time favourite band is the Beatles. Probably a, a lot of people's number one all-time favourite band. But again, um, at, a different, at a different time period in my life, I, I was obsessed by the Beatles. It's, it seems strange to me now that the 90s is like the same sort of distance away from today that the 60s were to the 80s. Because it seemed like such a such a long time, some such an ancient history, and I was sort of delving into this stuff and, and discovering it for myself for the first time. And um, so the Beatles were as new and fresh to me in the eighties as they would have been to people at the time in the sixties. I love their story. It's because they sort of start off as this probably equate them to a, a, a nowadays boy band with the, the screamy teens and, and but then they sort of evolved into something more and more adult and, and innovators everything they brought out was new and, and then people are then inspired by them although mm. they had their inspirations as well yeah but they're the groundbreakers and my number one is a is a cheat because it's two bands it's um crowded house splash split, split ends and and it's because one band sort of evolved out of the other. You sort of, I can't break them apart. There, it's a similar sort of entity. Yeah. Um, Split Ends started as a band the year before I was born. 
so there's sort of this this group of people been around my entire life. Um, I first sort of became aware of Crowded House in the middle 80s, probably by their second album. And it sort of I remember it being a revelation to me that um, that that they had come from split ends and the connections and are putting it all together and working it all out and I have the entire back catalogue of split ends and crowded house up until the, the latest I think it's the latest Intriga album the latest album only came out recently and, and I, I couldn't probably could not tell you the name of one song on the album but all the others I know inside out I know all the stuff I was it was because at the time when that came out, when I'm a teenager, and that's when you obsess over stuff and you get really nerdy about it and you want to know absolutely everything about all of it. <laughs> and now I'm just like, not so much. But <laughs> You still get newsletters from the split ends. I do, group. and I'm still in contact with the man who runs it. And, in fact, every week or so I send him stamps. He collects stamps for a charity and raises money for landmine victims. He's a, he's a wonderful man. But, yeah, that's my top five. Actually, I actually found this um, quite hard to do because I don't really listen to albums per se. I'm not, not a big fan yeah. of chucking an album in there. I'm actually more of a fan of, of particular songs. Um, so, yeah. and my my taste in music is quite often derided <laughs> as pretty bad. Seen, it's always taste in films. Put it that I, way. <laughs> it, uh, I have no idea. By the way, I want to say I have no idea what kind of music you listen to, Dave. Well, I it's it's, it's completely different to both of you. So it's it's uh, it. I, I my 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 taste in music ranges, for, you know, from jazz classics to Ariana Grande type stuff. I mean, it just it's just it just it has, has a wide range of stuff. And I do openly admit that quite a lot of the music that I listen to would be is quite bad <laughs> but i enjoy it and that's all that matters i'm a big fan of melody so um so actually, actually i found this list quite hard to do so i mean when i was thinking about it i of course respect and admire certain bands you know led zeppelin pink floyd the beatles rolling stones you know the who the clash you know i mean all these sort of bands sort of popped into my head and there's you know the, you know, the, the supremes the jackson five it's and, and I, I found it quite hard to sort of pin down um, five bands that I, I that I would listen to, and I, I kind of I, the way I sort of I tackled it was who what would what band would I choose who, uh, where I would be willing I'd be at least willing to listen to any song they produced because like I said as much as I love the Beatles and admire and respect what they did there's just certain you know certain Beatles songs that I just think is rubbish <laughs> so it's like and so I sort of had a, have a bit of a bit of a hard time with the Beatles so anyway so actually so at the end of the day I actually couldn't think of five I couldn't think of five of a top five band so I've actually only got a top three and they're not in any particular order <laughs> so my three favorite bands of all time are Queen because that's a good one yeah they were just they're, they're i mean they're just they're genius they were geniuses freddie mercury was was a genius it wasn't probably wasn't as much a genius as he thought he was <laughs> but he but he but he really was and and yeah. brian may one of the greatest guitarists in the world and and still is and, an extremely smart man and he, he was also an extremely smart man as well he's also <laughs> into like astrophysics and stuff so yeah. it's, i mean but not, not even just going with that but just in terms of their music yeah they've got some bad songs Defenders I mean, of the Universe. No, 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 no. Flash, the Flash Gordon soundtrack is brilliant. That's the best thing about that movie. Anyway, um, no, but I mean they got some bad songs. So I'm not a big fan of songs like Fat Bottom Girls and you know that's that sort a of fun song. Though. You know, I don't know. It doesn't really do it for me. But they just there's just there's so me- so much of their work um, just sort of resonated with me uh, that I just you know I can't I can't deny their 
their inspiration and uh, in my life. Uh, secondly, I'd have, um, like I said, no particular order, uh, the Arithmics. Um, and cool. and then as cool. by connection, anything Annie Lennox then went on to do solo. Um, <laughs> my two favourite songs in the world ever, my two favourite songs ever um, are... One one of them is from the Eurythmics, which is "Would I Lie to You." I just I just think it's the perfect combination of of cool music. The like I said, the melody mm-hmm. and the beat combined with the message and even the video. <laughs> just Annie Lennox just going mental. Um, so I just I think Annie, Annie Lennox has uh, has a voice that is unmatched by anybody else. She's, and, a, she's an Oscar winner, um, and she's and she's brilliant. And you know the Eurythmics were basically my sort of growing up band um and and number one is you too uh so my and like i said going back to my favorite songs my my favorite song ever is one by you two and i just i think it's i think it's brains again you two not everything they do is good i mean their latest their latest stuff i mean in fact their latest exactly i mean just you resonated a lot when you, when you said before when you said their latest album i couldn't name a single song i could not name a single song from their latest. i can because i reviewed it yeah exactly <laughs> um, so that song that they either it was auto downloaded and stuff you know all that sort of stuff but even you know it, they've got some you know pretty ordinary songs throughout throughout their thing but the majority of their songs i just think uh, i think are brilliant and joshua tree Axel baby yeah well Axel and baby is my what is probably my favorite album ever i just think they're awesome so are more sort of songs, favourite songs than bands themselves. But there you go. Clean, you 2 and everything. Because it was bands, I limited it to bands, but if it, if it was just music performers, instead of number five, The Monkeys on mine, it would have been David Bowie. But because he's not a band, I didn't yeah, put him on. that was what I found so hard, because like, <laughs> it, it was, yeah, performers. Yeah. That's right, yeah, David Bowie, yeah. Michael Jackson... Uh, I'm I just, thought about that too. Yeah, yeah I about that goes too. On. So I think, so I think, I think actually, do you want to do you want to say for the next one we actually do performers solo? Uh, solo. I don't perform- know. That I got five, dude. I don't know. That yeah, I don't know that I've got five either. I mean, I'd say Bowie. At some point we'll do songs. Uh, we'll I was songs. I was toying with putting flight at the Concord. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At one point we'll do songs. Anyway, so that was an awesome top five. Thanks again for both for suggesting it. That was a lot of fun. I listened to a lot of music in the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> to sort of figure out which one to go with. Uh, I do want to say, if you know what the line, this is my tiger suit, this is my tiger suit, if you know what that's from, then 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 you probably know who the bands are that I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> this is my tiger No, I don't know it, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's finish up. We're coming soon. In Australian cinemas, June 18th, we get Going Clear, Scientology in the Prison of Belief, which has been out overseas for ages and i've actually already seen it and yeah i don't know i've mixed i've mixed opinions it's i think yeah, it's, me too. i think it's a little I'm... a little one-sided like they do they do talk about how that nobody from scientology wanted to actually talk with them and while i think that's that's true i'm not saying they're lying but it just the, the the documentary i think is just just too one-sided without having that representation but how would you get that representation of representation if nobody else Wants to provide it. I wouldn't have released it until I got that representation. If they if they'd shown if they'd yeah, shown them what they already had and maybe gotten some sort of dialogue happening. If you've invested that much into the project, you're going to have to keep going. With yeah, it. well, then I think the project's flawed because of it. So that's yeah, that's yeah, that's my opinion. I mean, it's it's, in, it's interesting. It's an interesting documentary, but it's just it's, it's like I said, it's one sided. Uh, just just to 
personal, probably biased opinion, but I think even if they did get the other side, I'm not sure I could have trusted anything they said anyway. Yeah, see, that's and that's the impression that they give in the documentary as well. But I don't know. Look, I, I'm I'm anti all religion. I mean, I think Scientology is ridiculous, but it's no more ridiculous than Christianity. So it's it they deserved the chance to actually have their say, and they weren't given it, and or they didn't they didn't choose to take up on that. I don't know. Whatever. So you know, whatever. You've seen it as well, by yeah. Yeah. I I do agree with you. That it's pretty one sided. I mean, the only representation they have is uh, is people that left Scientology, which is what the documentary is about. Yeah, um, it's about coming coming clean or whatever. But uh, I I liked it. I thought it was really cool. But mm. um, I do see I do see what you're saying. Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, it had some very interesting seg- uh, segments. But yeah, and look, and I have no doubt. I mean, I have no doubt that the leader of Scientology, the current leader, what is Miss. David Miscavige or whatever his name is. I mean, he's, yeah. he's done. He's clearly doing dodgy stuff. It's pretty obvious. But, that was one interesting thing yeah. that I never knew until watching that. That it was so it, the, you know, the the originator of it was so different than the current, you know, like head honcho guy. Yeah, Alan um, Hubbard. It is. I, I mean, religion is a corporation, but like it just it is so much of a corporation now compared to what it was then you know yeah. it's it's so it's it's wild it's a pretty interesting documentary but um yeah it would have been nice if like you know tom cruise or somebody would have spoken in the documentary and you know they show him speaking about scientology on um other interviews so i mean it doesn't seem like it would have been impossible to get him but i don't know yeah yeah we did but anyway but that being said um check it out it might be might be a thing it is well put together at the very least uh, we also get uh, Tangerines, which uh, is a Cannes Award winner, and uh, I haven't seen it, but I've heard excellent things, so I do want to see it. Uh, Inside Out, which is Pixar's latest film uh, about a little girl and the personifications of her emotional states, so happiness and sadness and anger and stuff like that, actually get personifications and, you know, the hijinks that ensue from that. Uh, and Minions, the uh, the Minions from the Despicable Me. That's it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the the little minions from the speaker when we get their own film where they they go off to to become the minions of a of a different villain, so villain or a villainess, whatever you want to call it. We need a new villain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so that's Australian cinemas, American cinemas. We get uh, Minglehorn, which um, it's a it's actually a IFC um, film, and we get we also get Inside Out. Um, burying the ex, which looks like it's uh, probably like a love triangle, uh, murdering the ex girlfriend <laughs> kind of movie. It's absolutely it's... atrociously bad. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I've seen it, <laughs> and I can guarantee you, don't waste your time. <laughs> we get a movie called Eden, yeah, uh, which I'm not sure what it's about, and also Dope. That's which, Dope uh, again. Dope. Dope. Yeah, I bet it's pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody says that line in the film, I'll be amazed. <laughs> cool. Well, that's it for episode 147. Uh, very exciting. Now, next, uh, our next episode, obviously, will be with the crew, and uh, the, uh, the the original crew, the original flavor crew, and uh, that's, that's Richo in charge. Richo's in charge of the next episode. And then the rest of the episode after that, 149, uh, we're back with uh, Bo and Crystal. We also have a special guest, uh, Pete the Heat from uh, the Black Panel Podcast will be joining us. Yeah. Or formerly of the Black Panel Podcast. I haven't seen Pete for a long time. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to have Pete on the show. But that's it for 147. That's it from me and the crew. Crystal. One. And Bo. (laughs)
This is my tiger suit. This is my tiger suit. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.